Hello, and thanks for tuning in to 90,000 Hours. I'm your host and producer, Robin Landy. Today's episode features Patrick Bryce, a film director living and working in Los Angeles, California. Patrick directed the found footage horror movies Creep and Creep 2, The Overnight, Corporate Animals, as well as the upcoming film There's Someone Inside Your House. Thank you, Patrick, for sharing your story. As always, to Eric Kuhn for the use of his music in this episode, and you for listening. Follow along for updates on Instagram at 90,000HRSPod. Uh, so I grew up in a really small town in Northern California in Grass Valley, uh, and I was an only child. And we lived on seven acres of forest. So it was basically a small cult of just me, my mom, and my dad in the middle of the woods. I was, I think, you know, a, a precocious kid, a smart kid, a, a lonely kid. I was a big reader. And I think that's something that definitely helped me going into making movies and ending up doing that because I think, you know, that's a big part of the job that I think a lot of people maybe don't think about when it comes to making movies is you really, you spend more of your time reading than you do actually uh, making movies, you know, when it comes to preparing for a project or writing a script or reading scripts. And so I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful that I grew up around a bunch of books and that both of my parents were readers. And that was something that was just kind of normalized. You know, when you grow up in the middle of the woods or you grow up in sort of kind of an, a semi-isolated place, like your connection to the outside world ends up being like whatever media is being brought into your household for the most part. For us, outside of like the three TV channels that we had, you know, that we got reception for from our shitty antenna that was like on top of a pine tree. It was VHS movies. And it was specifically watching those with my dad. And my mom was a therapist and she would have group sessions every Wednesday or Thursday night. And those were the, the nights that my dad and I got to watch movies. And a lot of time they were stuff that, you know, my mom wouldn't be into and stuff that he was guiding me towards. And it ended up being honestly a lot of like dumb 80s comedies and a lot of like gag comedies like Airplane or, or The Naked Gun and stuff like that. It wasn't really like him wanting to show me movies and in, in saying like, this is an art form that you need to appreciate or saying like, this is a great director or, you know, the approach wasn't like a academic approach at all. It was just like, let's entertain ourselves and goof off while mom's working. And so that was kind of my connection. There was a movie theater in town. We would go out to see stuff. And I was definitely, you know, charmed and inspired by that experience. But the act of watching a movie and being inspired by it and, you know, feeling all the feelings that you feel after after having an experience like that, like you're watching something that's a result of years and years and years of decisions that are being made. And so as opposed to like watching something which takes two hours, going through the process of actually like coming up with an idea or facilitating idea that takes years and years. You're engaging every emotion, both from like a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint. I can honestly say I didn't know what I was getting into, even though this was something that I always dreamed about doing with my life. I don't think I understood what 
it was until I started doing it. I took about as winding of a path as one could take, I think, in their late teens and early 20s on my way to to where I am now. I dropped out of high school halfway through my junior year, and it was mainly uh, because I just wasn't happy. And I think my parents could tell that I wasn't happy. And my mom was a therapist and my dad was a high school administrator who taught in also um, alternative education. He was a big proponent of like not going through the normal high school process. Like it didn't work for him. He devoted his life to helping kids who it also didn't work for. And so when he saw that I was capable and smart and engaged in certain things, but completely unhappy in school, it was really him saying like, you know, you can take the GED and if you want to start taking community college classes, we'll support you. And so I left and I I sort of went into the adult world as a, I just turned 17. I think part of that for me was wanting to get out of my parents' houses. They were divorced at that point, and I felt very unmoored and being given this opportunity. Like I did once again, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what I was really walking into when I did it, but I was like, yeah, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in I don't want to be at this high school. I have four friends who are still my best friends now and that's it. Those these are the literally the only people I connect to on any level in this place. And so I moved to San Francisco, which was an insanely lonely experience. If I was lonely in Grass Valley, I think as a 17-year-old who was basically like entering the workforce, you know, like I, I got a job as a dishwasher immediately and I was taking like a couple community college classes, but all my peers were, you know, in their 20s and, and 30s at that point and were, were older people. I was also living out in the Sunset District of San Francisco, which is, I think, one of the most depressing places you can live. You know, there's just, you know, mold just grows on you there uh, because of the fog. I mean, it's very beautiful, but it's also, it wasn't an inviting place for me. It was a, it was a cold, damp place to be. I just, I worked, you know, I took college classes and I worked and I knew I wanted to make movies but I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know, I didn't really understand what that meant. I grew up completely ignorant of uh, alternative cinema and uh, experimental cinema. And, you know, I knew about documentary, but I didn't know about like, you know, personal documentaries or film essays. And I ended up being exposed to a lot of stuff early on that I don't think I would have gotten the chance to be exposed to. And also just like realizing that, you know, there's so many different routes you can take. That was both inspiring, but also overwhelming because I think I I wanted to try all that stuff, but I didn't know how to do it. At the end of the day, film is just this super collaborative art, which a big part of it involves getting a bunch of people on board with your idea, right? And getting a bunch of people who are good at their specific job, be it a sound person or an actor or a writer or a producer, and convincing them to sort of help bring your vision to life. And when I was in San Francisco, I just didn't feel like I had a core group of people that I could do that with. Also, just needing to work to live was something that ended up eclipsing a lot of my creative life and also just wanting to be a young person and hang out and make friends and go see music and movies. And 
I ended up actually, I was working as a valet parking attendant and it was a situation where anytime you showed any kind of uh, intelligence whatsoever, they would just promote you automatically regardless of whether you were a 19 year old high school dropout. And so by the time I, you know, reached my peak working for this company, I was like five years in going to work wearing a suit every day as a 19, 20, 21 year old. And like, I was making more money than my dad was making as a high school principal at 21. (laughs) And I wasn't going to school at that point. And I found myself in a, in a version of life that I absolutely didn't want to be in. It was incredibly depressing. I ended up making a switch, which, which was something that came into my life in a strange way. It was my godbrother was the president of a uh, grant-making foundation, and he was friends with this philanthropist who was also a movie producer. He was making this movie called Pig Hunt. And he called me one day and said, you know, my friend needs a personal assistant. He's about to go make this independent film up in Mendocino County, this horror film uh, with a 3,000 pound monster pig that's stalking and killing people out in the middle of the forest. And he's never done this before and he needs a, needs help. So for me, it was very easy to say, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And all of a sudden I found myself, you know, at I think I was 23 on a movie set as the assistant to the person who was producing and financing and had written the script to this movie. And so I was all of a sudden having these conversations that I was completely unqualified to have and, you know, very deep in the, in the process of, of making this movie and was able to see a a film made from the beginning to the very end. And just as someone who was approaching the situation, learning as I went, it was really formative for me being able to do that, you know, because I think it, it demystified a lot of stuff when it came to the, the process of making a movie. I saw a lot of decisions being made that wouldn't necessarily be ones that I would make in terms of like following my instincts. I saw decisions being made that went against my own instincts, but I couldn't really say anything because I was just an assistant. It was it was a door that opened in terms of like finding a different path for my life. And it felt like a way to to really change the course that I felt like I'd been on at that point. I saved up enough money to then secretly apply to go to Cal Arts down in Los Angeles. And once I got accepted, my girlfriend at the time, now wife and mother of my children, had just graduated Berkeley. Once I got accepted to Cal Arts, we we moved to Los Angeles together. That was also very intimidating, going back to school as a 25-year-old undergrad you know, there weren't a lot of places where I could do that and kind of feel normal and not feel like I was the oldest person there. And thankfully, CalArts is this kind of strange, amorphous, very experimental when it comes to their film department school. I knew I was only going to be there for two years. I knew it was very expensive and I was paying for it myself. And so it was something where like, in order to get the value that I needed out of it, I wanted to just take as many classes as possible and just try to have a space where I could reset my brain a little bit and really start to think about like why I want to do this and what version of this makes sense for me. You know, the great thing about movies and cinema is you can kind of be interested in everything. It's this chance to be able to study or look deeper into anything you want through the lens of making movies. 
And that's something that's stuck with me throughout my entire career. You know, as I've gone on to make stuff, like, I mean, there's definite through lines in my work, but also, you know, I've found that each project is pretty different than the other when it comes to approach and collaborators and, you know, what I'm trying to achieve. And it's okay, you know, even though it feels a little weird and maybe feels like I should be just making horror movies or just making comedies or just, you know, taking one approach. Uh, or picking one lane might mean I have a more, I don't know, solid path. No, the the thing that connects this all is that I'm, I'm making movies and it doesn't matter. I, I've chosen a profession that allows for a certain amount of freedom when it comes to subject matter that I should, I should just continue to take advantage of. I've had the chance to work on stuff that I've conceived of as like the core idea and then ended up, you know, writing and directing and sometimes acting in myself. There have also now been projects that have been scripts that have been sent to me with financing or producers attached to it. And I've hopped on board as a director. Those both feel like very different paths. And, and I think hopping onto something that was someone else's idea was something that I was, I was always nervous about. Part of it was because the first film that I had made was just such an experiment and was literally a learning process that I ended up having a film come out of at the end of it. I felt like I was still in school while I was making my first movie. And so my, my first movie was this movie called Creep, which was originally called Peach Fuzz. It was a movie that I came up with with my friend Mark Duplass, and I had just graduated school. I I was completely enamored with documentary, and that was what I thought I wanted to do. I had ideas regarding projects that I might end up making in docs, but, you know, I think having this mentorship and this relationship with Mark and him making narrative features, and I think he saw something in me or saw a shared sensibility, you know, and wanted to sort of give me an opportunity to play with that. We came up with this idea for the movie Peach Fuzz together, which was essentially uh, I was going to be playing a character that was going to be hired to film Mark's character, who was supposedly dying of cancer and had put out a Craigslist ad saying that he was looking for someone to film him and like document his life for his unborn child. And then that ends up devolving into this kind of cat and mouse game where you realize that his character is lying to my character. I've just been lured into this psychopathic trap. We went up and shot it together in this small town, Crestline, California. And we were there for six days during the initial shooting of it. Uh, But it was just me and Mark and no crew or anything. And we just had this movie camera that neither of us really knew how to operate. And we had this outline for this movie that didn't have any dialogue attached to it. We were going to be improvising everything. I, I saw this as just another experiment. You know, having just come out of this weird art school, like I saw this as kind of a formalist experiment that we were doing up there. And it felt more like an exercise at the time than it did that we were making a feature film that people were going to be watching at some point. There is a naivete that's inherent, like like inherently in the movie, like that's baked into the movie in terms of both the approach and also our performances 
that I don't think would have been there if there had been more planning involved beforehand or if, or if I had a more clear idea of like what box this movie was going to fit in eventually. Luckily, I think that's something now that the movie's out in the world, I think that's something that makes it special and that I think people connect to. Then once we did have a rough cut of it, we started showing it to people and getting feedback and then going through the process of making changes to it based on that feedback, which is a process that I'd never gone through before. And because of the nature of how we shot this movie, because it was just me and him, we didn't really have an excuse to not make any changes that could make the movie better. You know, like it was just me, him and a movie camera and uh, my collaborator, Chris. So once we got feedback and once we came up with an idea that addressed that feedback in a way that we thought made sense, we would go back and reshoot the movie. This took a year and a half, you know, going back and making these changes to the movie and showing it to people in raw form. I think going through that experience of showing a version of your movie that you know is inadequate and you know your gut is telling you could be better and getting feedback from people that reaffirms that is like it's 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 like ego death (laughs) and it's a totally draining experience like anytime we'd have those screenings i would just like go home and like pass out in depression because i knew that like it's not working yet but then once you have that idea of how you can fix it and go back and change it it's the most amazing feeling in the world because you feel like you're you know it's that just like deep core human joy of being able to solve a problem even the morning before it came out in at south by southwest I, I was dry heaving from anxiety like my anxiety manifests itself in my gut and i was i was just so nervous that people were going to hate this movie you know, even though it had gotten into this big festival, I still felt like it was this anomaly of a movie that, you know, was being presented as a horror movie, but that horror fans were going to hate because it didn't have any blood or it wasn't like following sort of the traditional path of horror movies. And thankfully, the opposite happened. You know, I think there's people that that movie is definitely not for, but I think the people that it was for, like embraced it wholeheartedly. And saw outside of you know what was dark and titillating and what worked in terms of like the narrative tension of the movie like also saw this kind of like inherent sweetness in it and this love of character you know it's a movie that wrestles with the anxiety of human beings connecting with each other and that's a through line that i think has found itself manifested in every single one of my movies in some way you know and that's something that I wrestle with in my own life and that I think is a given when it comes to most people in their own lives. So being able to like tap into that anxiety and filter it through a horror movie made complete sense to me. I was completely ignorant of what making movies actually looked and felt like as a career when I decided I wanted to do it. I think only now as I, you know, I'm, I'm on my like fifth feature that I've made now, do I really understand what I like and dislike about this and what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and what I need to get better at. And I still have that feeling of it being the first day of school 
I think every day <laughs> as I'm doing this. I definitely have the benefit of having had certain experiences that I can draw on and look towards and say, okay, well, I want to do this better, or this is something that I want to do that I've never had the opportunity to do. But the thing I don't think I realized when I wanted to make movies but hadn't made movies yet is the joy and the deep importance of collaboration and clear communication also personally being emotionally open and vulnerable with those collaborators and that's something i just see as a given and that's also not every director's approach you know i think there are directors who are definitely more type a folks who are fine going through this process being the people who are dictating to everyone and telling people what to do for me, it's more trying to involve people in whatever projects I'm working on that first and foremost understand what we're trying to do on the same level, you know, and are on the same page with like knowing what movie we're trying to make here, what we're trying to achieve with the project. And then once I have those people on board, for me, it's just facilitating their creativity and it's setting a tone for everyone else so that we're all on the same page in terms of understanding what we're doing, being excited about what we're doing, being empowered to try whatever works in the service of the movie. I think having gone through the process of making my first movie where I was also acting in it and also having to come up with all the ideas and come up with all the dialogue, you know, alongside Mark while we were making it, you know, like I felt that burden on my first project of having to wear every single hat of the movie. And so anytime I'm not having to do that, I just, I find myself in a state of grace <laughs> where I'm just like, thank God you're here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm just so grateful to have you and let's figure the shit out together. That's the thing that I, I think I've found that I, I also like love the most is being able to work with people and being able to come out the other end with, with, with something that's a result of those relationships. You know, in terms of like work and work process, that's something that I, I draw on skills that I learned in the customer service industry, you know, and managerial skills, you know, when I was a Valley parking manager at age 19 and having to motivate people to like literally park cars in a way that was, <laughs> you know, efficient and hopefully keeping people happy. You know, I think every day I'm on set or going through the process of setting something up, I just am delighted that I'm not doing that old job that I was doing before and that I get to do this and that somehow I've been able to find myself in this position, I think I, I take it that much more seriously and am that much more present when it comes to doing this work. I think it's hard to stay motivated when you are between projects. And I think when there isn't a problem that's presenting itself that day, I think it's sometimes hard to find ways to make yourself useful. Luckily, I've found myself taking those times and those being the times where I basically just like try to find inspiration, whether it's reading or watching something. That's been a lot more difficult these days because I have two small children uh, in my house uh, every day for the most part. 
taking that time that might feel like potentially anxiety ridden idle time and trying to make that useful. I think the other thing is with this job, there are curveballs a lot of the time, inevitable curveballs that you just don't see coming that will come at some point. On every single project that I've had, especially as they get bigger, I've had a bigger curveball thrown at me. You know, without getting into crazy detail, on two of my features, my independent features, I've had actors drop out weeks and sometimes days before shooting the movie. That's something that happens sometimes on indie productions. So having that happen and having gone through that process of literally feeling like everything's about to go away, everything that you've just been building toward for months is about to go away. Because a lot of times these independent productions, the financing is hinging on the actor that you were able to cast in that role. And so if that person drops out, then you're completely fucked (laughs) sometimes. Luckily, in both of those situations, I was able to recast the movie quickly. And in both of those situations, the person that ended up coming in, you know, I don't want to sound too like hippy dippy, but was the person that was meant to be in that role. Ultimately, I, I truly believe in my core. That's the way it was meant to happen. Both times that happened, I then spent the making of that movie feeling completely euphoric because I'd looked into the void. You know, (laughs) and I knew like I'd seen the version of this not happening and I'd gone through whatever those first few stages of grief that you go through are and felt that feeling and then found myself in a position where I, I like I was still making the movie. While I'm definitely like an optimistic person and I and I kind of have to be in order to go through this, do this job, you know. I think it requires a certain amount of faith because you are really manifesting something out of nothing. And, you know, they always say, like, it's a miracle any movie gets made. And it truly is a miracle any movie gets made. I come out of it with enough confidence in my intuition, you know, because being a director is also just having to answer a million questions every day, right? And having to make a bunch of decisions that you don't necessarily know are the right ones. You're doing your best to think about what the ripple effects of these decisions are, but, you know, they're decisions that are about to be baked into a movie forever. There's ones that I still regret, like a shirt that someone was wearing in some movie that I was at the time I was like, yeah, it looks fine, you know, (laughs) or thinking that I got the right take of an actor saying a line you know, and hearing myself, like I'll be watching the dailies and I'll hear myself on set saying, that was perfect. We got it. And I'm watching myself three months later saying, no, you, you idiot. (laughs) You didn't get it. You know, couching how much pressure you're putting on yourself, I think is really helpful and trusting you're just making the best decisions you can at the time with the information available to you. I feel very lucky to have come into the entertainment industry when I did. My first two movies came out in 2015. And shortly thereafter, I think there has been and is continuing to be sort of a a sea change culturally, you know, with both understanding how racist and sexist 
uh, the, the the film and entertainment industry has been for years and years and years. And that's something that I think folks are still reckoning with. I think it was helpful to come into the industry with a little bit of a left field cultural context, you know, like coming out of a school that wasn't super production based. You know, I came from a school that like we watched the birth of a nation, you know, and then we had a conversation about what it meant for that movie, a movie that is incredibly racist and depicts the Ku Klux Klan as heroes. Like, what does it mean that that movie was essentially our first blockbuster film? That was the first film that people went to go see en masse. What the sort of ripple effects of that were, you know, and who gets to make movies, you know? And I'm, I'm grateful that, like, this is a time where, like, representation is a big deal from a business perspective as well. And it's one of those things where I don't think people were really going to change until it affected them economically. Luckily, I've had the benefit of making movies during this time where I have like a place like Netflix, like this movie I just made, who is excited and wants to lean into the fact that we just made a movie that's a slasher movie that has like an incredibly diverse cast that one of our lead actors is non-binary. That's something where like, I know they're able to like pat themselves on the back with those decisions. And I I realize there's like self-interest involved, but I also understand that like, that's the only way you're going to get some folks to change is if you impede on their self-interest. Right. Because of that, I've been able to make stuff that fits maybe my worldview a little bit more now and fits my perspective. My parents wish I was making social justice documentaries. <laughs> you know, uh, that's sort of like the baby boomer approach is that I'm sure that they wish that I was making stuff that was maybe overtly presentational in terms of, you know, wanting to change the world. At the same time, I still feel like I'm able to sneak my own perspective and my own worldview into the stuff that I'm making. And do it in a way that is my style that isn't like hammering it over people's head or isn't like patting myself on the back with it is just saying like this is the world that we live in now at the same time it's a vast sea (laughs) this industry and i think there are still a lot of folks making money off of perpetuating a lot of the, the very stereotypes that they're supposedly fighting against all i can do as a director And as a writer, and as someone who's also a a provider for my family, is try to make decisions and work on projects that are aligned with my my soul as well as my self-interest. And to keep my heart connected to my head. Coming into the industry later in the game than a lot of people was really helpful for me in terms of like having some perspective. Uh, Once I started making stuff, you know, I had been in a long term relationship at that point. I had gone to school as a older undergrad. And I think having had previous life experience, and I think working in jobs that were, were not movies just gave me sort of a, a, a grounding where I, I've never felt like this industry or this work is reality. <laughs> you know, I still 
feel like at the end of the day, you know, while I take this completely seriously, I truly believe we're just playing make-believe, you know, and it's amazing how intense this can get and how it can be something where you're going through every single emotion during this process, while at the end of the day, it's just that we're playing make-believe. Having kids, I think, also helps ground me when it comes to this. Is And I think having kids that I'm super emotionally connected to and am going through that process that I think a lot of parents go through with young kids where you're, you have these children and you are essentially seeing yourself as a kid and being reminded of yourself as a kid every day. And it's crazy <laughs> and it's terrifying, but it's also a helpful reminder about like what's important. Because any time that I spend working, for the most part, is taking away from time that I'd be spending with my family, you know, and time that I'd be sort of in this space that I'm just like trying to cultivate every day. So it's got to be something that matters. I think above all else, I think I need to be as present as possible in order to do this work. I think that's something that I definitely fight against with all the distractions in the world and all the things that can make you feel anxious and lose perspective. And I think just reminding myself that even though filmmaking is a long process and involves endless conversations and is this act of sort of like making something out of nothing, it is each of those small moments in which the thing that you're making is built. You know, that's something that I definitely wrestle with because it is easy to get distracted, especially having a family. And I think also living in this time where we just have constant information overload, it's very easy to find yourself lost, you know, in all that having relationships where I'm accountable to those people is also something that keeps me in line because if I say I'm going to do something and I'm accountable to someone and I don't do it like I can't imagine something worse than that for me you know that that's something that's very important to me it's very important for me to be present with my friends and my family it's very important for me to be loving open thoughtful helpful when it comes to those relationships. So of course that would translate into my work. And of course that would translate into decisions that I would be making in terms of this job. When I have those moments where I'm like, who am I as a filmmaker? Or like, what value am I bringing to this process? Or like, you know, from an outside perspective, this feels like I'm, I'm not even doing anything. You know what I mean? I think th those are the moments in which I remind myself that, oh yeah, that's, that's actually what makes me unique in this, is that I am tapped into that. And when I'm not tapped into that, I'm anxious about not being tapped into that. So it is something that I am thinking about. Having a mom who was a therapist and was like talking to me about my feelings from a very young age has paid off when it comes to the interpersonal emotional navigation aspect of this job 
and being able to like listen and interpret and help people and do that in a way that is working towards a, a common goal. I mean, that's the thing that is just like, I wake up every day like, how the fuck did I get to be so lucky to be able to do this and to be able to do this with people? It's, it's the joy of this, this job for sure.